Australia has a really special place in my heart. Throughout my long and dangerous journey to guide my family from North Korea to freedom, I didn't know any places where I was going, and I didn't have anyone to help me. But in Laos, the country I never heard, and I met a man from Australia, another country I never heard, and my life was changed forever. At that point, I had secretly guided my family from over 3,000 kilometers through China. And we were uh, almost right at the end of near the journey, but my family was captured in Laos, crossing the border into Laos illegally. So it seemed like I had failed. I was exhausted and furious and deeply depressed. I hated this dark and cruel world, and I wanted to really give up at the moment. But right when I felt myself letting go, uh, I'm an Australian man, Dick Stolp. He reached my life and brought me back into the bright light. It was a random miracle and to understand how truly astonishing this moment was, uh, let me start to tell you the story of how, from the beginning. Uh, when I was a young girl in North Korea, I woke up one night choking on thick black smoke. As my parents was screamed at me and to my brother to get out of our homes, and I was consumed, there was a huge fire. So my brother and I was continuing to choking outside. Our father didn't check to see if we were okay. But instead, he immediately ran back inside the house, risked his life, and saved all the most important possessions, portraits of two dictators. If he failed to save them, he would have been punished as a military officer, but instead he was praised, not for risking his own child, children, but to say for saving the images of our dear leaders. Nobody, including myself, thought this was a strange, or nor was it strange to see the government officials with white gloves would come to every household and checked for dust on the portraits of the, the pictures. But after I escaped the country, actually I realized that it's, this is only a few small examples of how North Koreans are tragically oppressed and we are brainwashed. So I feel free right now despite the risks my personal security, but I feel Free that I have to tell the world about the shocking Orwellian nightmare that North Korean people face in daily life. One of the most important things is that we have to learn that we shouldn't trust anyone besides your parents. So classmates, friends, and neighbors are forced to criticize each other and we and then we have to report each other. So 
between wife and husband even can't trust together. If they were divorced, would be in huge trouble. That one person would tear other person's behavior to the government. So my mom told me countless times, even when I was young, to not saying anything bad about the system. Otherwise, we will be sent to political prison camp. So she said, the words have ears and the fears have eyes. One of my school classmates learned this the hard way. After he invited his friends to his home, his friends reported to our teacher, saying he saw too many nice things in his home suddenly. And then the teacher reported to the government, and the officers found out that one of the family members who escaped was sending money, so the family members were arrested as traitors. Speaking out against the regime also unthinkable. Um, my friend's father told his best friend while they're having a call together at night. He said, this system is unfair, and his whole family soon disappeared in the middle of the night to the political prison camp. So this is uh, only, they are only one of many family members who were sent to prison camp where over 100,000 people are continue to suffer in torture and starvation and death. And North Korean, we, North Korean regime told us to hate them, to hate those people in political prison camp and those who were publicly executed were traitors who deserved to be punished. So I didn't know that many offenses like for public executions like somebody who killed a cow or who stole, steal the food to feed his starving family or practicing religious or fortune tellers or homosexuals and then making contact with the South Koreans and yeah, so even watching foreign media. I also didn't know it's wrong, wrong that for young children to watch public execution and I saw my first public execution when I was seven. As I watched, a man was hanging by his neck under a bridge. And I saw the other one during the famine when the authorities shot a man in his head. And his brain was exploded in front of his family. But nobody said a word. We wouldn't even question our dear leader. Not only due to fear, but also we believed he was God that performed many miracles. So without free flow of information, the North Korean people have been completely brainwashed and even believing like ridiculous things like, I believed he didn't even go to the bathroom like humans or, you know, and I believed that the dear leader killed the enemies when they were five years old. So our dear leader also taught us to hate Americans. America was all the primary enemies, and they taught us their yeah, American bastards, like, and who were supposedly, like, even today, enslaving South Koreans and executing South Korean people and told us many horrible stories about how Americans 
uh, tortured North Korean citizens during the Korean War 1950s. So we were eagerly practiced killing those American bastards, and they were all primary enemy. And most people probably think it's wrong for young children to sing songs like shoot the Yankee bastards. But it was very normal for us, and we sang songs that in every day. Perhaps the most shocking examples of this manipulation is the dictator's pleasure group, beauty group, I think. So young North Korean girls are recruited from high school around the country to serve our dear leader. And as the government officials uh, treat them like animals, because the young girls who are chosen, they are measured like from leg, waist, and breast, including nipples. So we didn't know after chosen as the beauty group what stairs are. We only knew that's the only way to loyal our government. And my friend's sister, she was super beautiful in my school. And every year she was chosen as a beauty group. But every time in the end she was fed because of her height. And her mom fed her tons of beans to make her grow taller, faster, because she believed that the beans can you know, make her taller. But of course it never worked. And her my friend's sister, she felt exhausted and she intended to feel sick of beans. But, <laughs> but, yeah. but she was actually very lucky that because many, that she was failed, because many are learned the horrible reality after taken from their hometown from, to Pyongyang, capital of North Korea, and then they learn that actually they are forced into, you know, sex slave, like serving the dictators and the, the government offices. The biggest killer in North Korea is starvation, which has killed more than a million people during the famine. And many more since then, even today, we have uh, people dying. During the famine, if someone was carrying the dead dog on the street and just the people look at the person enviously because they wanted to eat the dog. But they didn't even stop look at the dead bodies on the street. So during that time, if we go to the under the bridge or the near the train station or inside train station, it's a very easily see those dead bodies. And they're making people goosebumps as they passed. The smells of decomposing body was everywhere. I was so sad, but I still didn't know that people were suffering because of the government failure system. But according to the regime's propaganda, that we were only suffering because of American sanctions. So everybody blamed to, the, to America, but not for all the leader. Since I lived right next to the border with China, and then China was the only country I could compare with my own, and I watched Chinese TV secretly at night, which is illegal in North Korea, and then that TV transformed my life completely. I found that China looked more open and economically developed since 
because I learned from school that our teacher said that we are much superior to China, but I had a perfect reason to doubt the regime's propaganda at the time. When I stood at the border and I simultaneously saw two different worlds, one I witnessed the darkness of my homeland, while the other witnessed the bright, vibrant colors of another bigger world just across the river from my house. So the curiosity and attraction of the bigger world in the end made me cross the border into China. But I was a very naive young girl at the time, 17. I could have never imagined that I would be separated from my family for so long, nor could I have even realized that I have to avoid the brilliant, bright new world in China and I have to live in the shadows. I was hunted by the Chinese authorities simply because I was born in North Korea. And I was even captured by the Chinese police and I was narrowly avoided being repatriated to North Korea by convincing them that I was actually a Chinese citizen. So due to all the dangers surrounding me, that I had to change my name so many times to protect my identity, to not being repatriated to North Korea, to not give any problems to my family in North Korea. So that's why I became the girl with the seven names, which is the title of my memoir. Talking about my family was the most difficult part of writing my memoir because uh, I had to reopen my deep emotional scars of our agonized long separation. While I was hiding in China, I cried countless nights and I staring up at the moon and I, I hoped hoping to my mom watch the moon same time like I do. And I was used to talking to the moon like the way I was communicating with my mom. So still, you know, maybe for you to see moon, maybe it has no any feeling. But for me, it's a only whenever I see the moon, even today, it has a very, just it gives, makes me, you know, bring me the, all the sad memories that long separations from my family. So many people actually right now might take their time with the family members for granted. But for North Korean defectors, we are painfully aware of how precious their time is together. Convincing my family to leave the country to be with me for the freedom was very difficult because my family had to leave behind everything they loved, and my mother's seven close brothers and sisters, who she still cries for countless nights. But I feel so sad that tearing them away, but without my family, I was also so depressed. So this is a, the unthinkable choice for North Korean defectors, North Korean people are forced to make family or freedom. Why we can't have both? But we have to choose one. For North Koreans are trying to cross the border into China is very difficult. As time goes by, it's becoming more difficult right now. And the border guards will shoot them 
forever across the border. So some people die even trying. And I saw even sometimes dead bodies were floating down the river during the famine when I got to the near riverside early in the morning. To, begin, to stay with me, to follow with me, my mom in 2009, she even faked her death in North Korea and paid a doctor to forge her death certificate. And I was awaiting them on the Chinese side of the border and I was so excited that 13 years, it's been 13 years to see my family's face for the first time. But the moment that I see them, I couldn't even, even embrace them because of real fear of getting caught on the border side. Since my family didn't speak Chinese and I, I had to guide them through China and uh, Somehow we have to do more than 2,000 miles in China and then into Southeast Asia at the time. But the journey by bus took one week in China and then we were almost caught several times during the journey. We were almost encountered with the Chinese police and I had to make my family like deaf and dumb people to avoid the inspections because they can't speak any Chinese. But in the end, still, my family was thrown into prison in Laos. After 50 days of going back and forth between the uh, law police station and the immigration office, trying to negotiate our family's release, but by the time I didn't have any money almost to pay fine fees and uh, the bribes they demanded, I even didn't have enough money myself for the pay for food and the guest house. So me and my family were almost out of time. I just couldn't believe it because after everything we went through and coming so close to freedom, but we failed. I feel really, really depressed and honestly, I hated this world so much. I feel this is so unfair. And, but as I just was uh, at the breaking point, a bright ray of sunshine came into my life. He was a tall white man from Australia, traveling in Southeast Asia. And are you a traveler? He asked me. I was stunned. I had never talked to the white person in my life, <laughs> and I don't even, I knew a little English at the time. Even though I couldn't fully understand what he says, but we started communicating with my cell phone dictionary together. <laughs> and after he heard my story, he looked quite surprised, and he promised me to help me. So I couldn't believed at the time what I was healing because uh, why would a total stranger will help us? Because in my life, so many people have been deceitful and manipulative. So deep down, I didn't actually believe him. Maybe he noticed that. He just went to the ATM and then he took so, many, so much money, tons of money with his credit card and then he paid off 
all my family's fine fees and including other imprisoned North Korean defectors with my family at the time together. So his good deeds changed my life completely at the time. Before meeting him, I thought the world was so cold to me. But at the moment, I realized that life is still worth living. And the angels, not only in novels or in movies, but they are working among us. It was a huge realization for me, and that's why I'm here today. But unfortunately, after I left Laos, and his name is Dick Stolp, he and I lost contact. But amazingly, he saw my TED talk three years ago, randomly, and that's why we could unite it on the Australian TV show in 2013, SBS Insight. And then we both came to the Sydney Opera House and we were taking pictures in front of this building. How fitting then that I'm telling my story here today. People who read my book often ask me like, if there's time machine, if you can go back then AZ 17, when you're about to cross the frozen river alone, would you still cross the border, even though you know all the answers? My answer is, I could not. I eventually found freedom, but I paid the biggest price, leaving behind everyone I loved, including my 17 years of memories. I still could sacrifice myself for the freedom, but I could never risk again the long separation with my family and see them in such pain. Thousands of North Koreans who are sick of the regime and the government imposed ignorance and have been fleeing the country for years, desperately hoping to find a better life. Defectors are like me, we are hopelessly heartbroken because we are completely cut off from all loved ones forever and blocked and tormented by the inhuman regime. We cry for our homeland as millions of other North Koreans are continuing to suffer in this dark and strange and horrific system. To end this injustice, to tell the world about the truth is the most important thing to do for me. So, I mean, thanks to people like you who listened to our story, and we've been making a lot of progress in recent years, but still, a surprising number of people still tells me, um, I knew about North Korea's nuclear weapon and strange or crazy dictator, but I didn't know fully about how horribly North Korean people are suffering there. So I'm asking you to keep sharing our story until nobody can say, I didn't know. So once I believe the whole world awakens, I believe we, we will have to end, we, have, we will have this power to end this modern day tragedy in North Korea. Thank you for listening.